Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Imperfect Podcast. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kennedy. Join us on this week's episode as we discuss intriguing topics and people of interest that will inspire us to explore all of the unique pieces of ourselves. We are all imperfectly perfect. We're We're glad glad you're here. here. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfect Podcast. So for the most part, people must think that they have pretty good control and awareness of their thoughts and decisions. But what if there was more going on behind the scenes than we'd like to admit or realize? Although this is a broad topic that we're going to talk about today, and it sounds like we could be leading into many different avenues with the term subconscious mind, we're just going to focus on mind traps that exist for today's show, which include biases, phenomenon, and fallacies. And these things are what are considered to be hardwired into our human minds, and You may not, for the majority of your life, even be aware or introduced to these thinking errors and mental shortcuts, but today we're going to disrupt your peace. (laughs) (laughs) Awareness, check. (laughs) Right. So uh, being made aware that uh, these mind traps exist can help us better navigate our life and uh, help us make more rational decisions sometimes. Yeah, sometimes if we want to pay attention to them. And before we continue, our source for today's episode comes from Escaping Ordinary, which is also influenced heavily by psychologist Daniel Kenman, I believe his name is pronounced, um, and his writings from his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. So the first uh, thing we're going to talk about. Mental trap, yeah. Mental trap. We're going to talk about I was mentally trapped there for a moment. <laughs> I didn't come up with the word. Uh, the first mental trap is survivorship bias. So what that is, is when we're only presented with data where the subset of the population has already survived some process. So it's sort of like the image of the iceberg that we've all seen out there and the top of the iceberg, uh, the top, the that's above the water um, is the only part that we see in any given circumstance, but other things in our life, like projects we've been working on or stresses at home or those sorts of things are under the water. And we fail to see those parts of the, the under the water iceberg. And um, a lot of times those can be failed attempts or disappointments in life. Yeah, so in this bias specifically, um, we're only focusing on the things that survived or surfaced, so to speak, in terms of the iceberg. So um, I know I've seen it on Facebook before. It's that image of you see just the tip of the iceberg, literally. And it shows, you know, whatever context you're talking about, uh, you know, a successful business. Okay, you got all these different categorizations and da, 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 and that's what everybody sees. But what they fail to see is all of the beneath the water um, of failed attempts and things that didn't go the way that you expected them to. So um, it's only the things that survived the process or the life circumstance, um, whether it being oblivious or like we're just oblivious or ignorant to the parts that had... Um, not surpassed the surface, I guess. 
Another great example is uh, of this is if you move to a new town and see lots of new restaurants in the area and they're all successful, you start thinking about, you know, hey, I could pull this off too. And how likely it would be for you to succeed in such a massively successful area because all you're seeing is the successes. But uh, you're kind of being ignorant to the fact that you're not seeing perhaps the hundreds of previously failed restaurants or other small businesses that haven't worked that came in before these ones or maybe before you arrived on the scene. And when we are only focusing on the winners, uh, survivorship bias uh, causes you to overestimate your chances of success. So have you ever tried actually Googling? Um, and I actually did um, just to kind of like prove the point to myself. Uh, you should try Googling actors that never made it or people that failed and dropped out of college. Um, we don't focus on these things, obviously, because there's nobody signing there. up to have their name on that one. Right. There's nothing notable there. Nothing that you necessarily want to see or want your name to be on, like mom said. So um, but that creates this survivorship bias of we only see the outcomes. We don't see the build up of that end goal or whatever it is yeah so this can be you know sounding a little harsh we aren't saying that you shouldn't chase your dreams because you should but uh, there needs to be a layer of awareness there that that makes you see the whole picture as opposed to just the part that you know the focusing on just the good that's I think we're supposed to just focus on the good but not in this circumstance so right <laughs> I hear what you're saying, at least. Um, so the next one is self-serving bias and fundamental attribution error. That's a tongue twister. Uh, it's the belief that our failures are due to external forces and our successes are due to our own internal actions. So as an example, you receive an A on your test and it's because of your hard work and studying um, versus if you fail a test, it's because the teacher was being unfair when they were marking or they were being too harsh in grading. Yeah, I think you have to maintain a level of accountability there, even in your failures and in getting feedback from other people, even, you know, it's good to focus, uh, focus on your street strengths and your weaknesses. Um, that can be helpful in combating this bias. Right. It's like a second set of eyes, I guess, in certain yeah. circumstances. You can't um, just take the good out and go, yeah, I I ace that test because I work so hard. But then meanwhile, everyone you fail, it's like, oh, well, it was noisy. And I studied hard. The teacher's well, just being whatever. Meanwhile, internally, you're like, I totally didn't study. <laughs> like, right. um, so this bias is also closely related to fundamental attribution error. So we judge others' behaviors on their personality or fundamental characteristics. Um, but we attribute our own behavior behavior to situational factors. So as an example, um, if someone's late to work, it's because they're lazy or they don't wake up early enough. But if it's you, it's because, oh, there's traffic or there was snow on the roads. I find I actually, it's interesting when you were mentioning about this, I thought, Sometimes I do that, but almost in favor of the other person. I find myself looking for, you know, well, maybe it was because they, you know, got in a fight before they left the house. Maybe it was. Mm. And sometimes I err almost on too much on that side and, and give a little bit too much, maybe. Oh, really? 
It's a different perspective. Yeah. No, for me, I, I definitely have experienced the times where I'm like, you want to see the best in yourself, but you can't see from other people's perspe- perspectives a lot of the time. Yeah. I'm not saying I do it every time. I'm, just, you know, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, sure. I probably have my moments, but I think in generalized terms, the majority is probably that I'm not willing to, not that I'm not willing, but that I have a harder time seeing from their perspective. Yeah, I find it's a lot of that has come with age, just being a little more gracious. Mm. So the next one, um, hindsight bias. So we've probably all met someone who always likes to say things like, I knew they were going to break up and I knew he was going to lose that election, stuff like that. Like the the people that are like the I told you type of people. Mm. So it's easy to be an expert and an all-knowing of something um, that's going to happen when it's already happened and there are already past events leading up to um, what it can be looked upon. So the hindsight bias is also, it can be a memory disorder. And what we mean by that is that memories of what you actually said or believed before a certain event uh, can be distorted to make your current opinions or beliefs more in line with what actually transpired. So it just makes you look like the know-all person sort um, in situations. And (laughs) there's a real shocker. It's always distorted to be in your favor. Well, right. (laughs) Because why would we distort it to not be in our favor? Right. When you said a distorter, I was like, it's a memory disorder or a distorter distorter yeah so it distorts your memory the way of how things really went down right Mm -hmm. so uh this can also cause people to distort or misremember their past opinions or things they said and it makes them overconfident in how they perceive something happening yeah and it's easy to put the blame on someone after the fact of something happening um, when all the cards are on the table, um, when in reality, really, the whole process was unpredictable in the same way that, oh, I knew they were going to break up. Yeah. Did you so say it, anything in the past that would have made you say that you thought they were going to break up? Well, no. Oh, I was just thinking it. And now because it's out and all the cards are on the table. Well, I knew that the whole time. So it's just like reading the conclusion of a book. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So it's easy to get in a loop of how could I be so stupid or why didn't I see this coming when in reality you made the soundest decision with the information you had available at the moment and time you were in the circumstance and you couldn't necessarily do anything to prevent it at the time. Right. So it's kind of the flip side where it's like you also have to be kind to yourself that don't be like, oh, I'm so stupid. Right. Or listen to the people that are like, oh, I know it's going to happen. Right. Because that can be harsh too. sometimes hearing that from people. And it's like, how was I so oblivious to the fact that all these people saw it coming? Well, no, all the cards are on the table. And now they see that it happened. And they're like, well, yeah, obviously. And then you feel like an idiot. Right. So the next bias we have is the availability bias. (laughs) If someone were to say, for example, my uncle, 
my uncle smoked for 50 years and he's still alive so smoking isn't bad for you like I mean I think we're all past that right now like, right do we really believe that you wouldn't necessarily believe how they gathered their data in that circumstance right so we're horrible at thinking statistically even when we're educated and we tend to create a picture of the world using the examples that most easily come to mind yeah and this is illogical and not in line with reality a lot of the time so we use statements like these to try and prove something but they actually prove nothing at all like where's the data your uncle smoking for 50 years and that's must mean that smoking's not bad well no where's the data um another example of that would be being able to recall flights that were unsafe or that crashed so we don't recall of the safe or the good flights the ones that all made it because the majority do right um so the availability bias creates a fear of flying in this particular case because you're focusing on the five bad flights in the last 10 years or whatever so right, you're right. you're scared of flying it's just a small piece of the whole picture, really, the the information that's readily available right there in your memory because it's been highlighted on the news and nobody talks, like you said, of the, you know, million flights that landed safely, only but the one that crashed in the ocean, right? So our memory is just a small piece of everything involved. Yeah. And additionally, the closer in proximity that you are to the available information, the higher you can perceive a risk of something too. So a really good example of that um, is your risk of being attacked by a shark is actually one in one million. But if your cousin was attacked by a shark last year, your friend was this year, and you witnessed another attack on the beach, your perceived risk is higher in your own mind when in reality, it's still only one in one million chance. I think I would not be going in the water. Right. But that's the, the, the thing. Anyway, he must be thinking, oh, it's all around me. Right. But that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. When it's close to home, it, it hits harder, I guess. Is the yeah, thing. absolutely. It's the same as, well, no, that wouldn't be such a good example. I was going to say certain, um, illnesses within a family but that's more genetics and we won't go down that road but <laughs> I was just gonna say maybe when it's there today. what's that maybe we will someday but not right today. right uh so the next one is availability cascade this is a self-sustaining chain of events which may start from media reports of a relatively minor event and lead up to mainstream public panic or a large scale large scale government intervention so a lot of big words there but as an example um let's say there was a local news story about a razor blade being found in candy yeah it would then lead to parents becoming worried obviously and then it could lead to a news story about parents being worried it could then maybe because it's a lot of local stories could then become a national story and then it could be parents nationwide checking their children's Halloween candy because of this fear. And it could lead to homemade candy or cakes not being handed out to trick-or-treaters nationwide. And it all started because there was one razor blade maybe found in one small town in one piece of candy. And who knows what the source of that was, but it's created this mass panic. So uh, it okay. creates this availability cascade of what information is there in front of you. I think something we didn't find with our uh, 
information is how hard those ones stick. Because mm. I think of the couple times in my life that, you know, and Halloween's a perfect example, you know, oh, so-and-so. And a lot of times it wasn't even somebody, you know, it's somebody who told somebody and it was probably a rumor from somebody made up or from mm. 12 years ago. And even now, like you look at, of course, parents don't want anything awful to happen to their kids. So, you know, I always look through your, your guys' streets and if you got an apple from someone or a Rice Krispie Square or what have you, unless the parent, well, this is the, the measure I used. I only took you to, you know, houses that I felt were safe anyway, but unless I could make the connection in my mind, oh yeah, so-and-so gave you that apple because a lot of apples weren't given out, then I started to worry like, oh, where did this come from? And maybe somebody snuck it in this, you know, like not just say that I was, you know, delusional or paranoid at night or anything, but it did put the question. And then that little, you know, the razor blade fear creeps in that from a story I heard maybe when I was six and it maybe wasn't true then either. Right. And I mean, there's nothing saying that you can't be cautious and things like that, because I mean, we do live in a different world now with lots of things going on all the time but um it's just a good example to put into perspective about how something so small can become so overinflated at times um out of nowhere yeah people begin to adopt a belief not necessarily because it's true but yeah it's just because it's popular sometimes um and when you are watching the news it's important to look at the fact is it in an objective piece of journalism or just an availability cascade so this specific topic that is a lot to think about i guess <laughs> yeah you every piece of information going in right right so the next thing we have is sunk cost fallacy and so what that is is when we think cost we often think of money so uh, which does work as an example here. Let's say you go to the movies and you realize it sucks. Mm. And then it's like, what am I doing here? I don't know if I'll be able to sit through the whole thing, you know, but you decide to stay because you already spent the money. Right. So that's a blatantly obvious example. Another one would be that um, you're staying in a relationship with someone simply because the time and the effort is already there and you don't want to have that quote unquote sunk cost, so to speak, by leaving if you are having the thoughts of leaving. Yeah. And that, I guess, really could apply to a lot of different things like a job, the sunk well, cost and time, you you know, 15 years of senior in in the business and you don't want to lose that seniority there right or the clothes that you know you bought but they're they're older they're not suitable they don't fit right somebody gave them to you you know and I don't know if it's as common in your generation but I know for me and maybe I think it would be more common in my generation but even more so going back through the years you didn't dare throw at anything that might have a use for what it was intended to or something else. So mm. I know you grew up in my home, so you probably got a little bit of that. You know, how many times can I use this mouth bag? Right, exactly. Um, 
And to be more rational in times like these uh, with the sunk cost fallacy, um, it's important to look at the current state of things uh, that you are weighing the sunk cost amount um, rather than the past. Mm -hmm. So the movies, what is the current situation? Well, I hate the movie. Why don't we talk about the sunk cost of your time? Mm -hmm. Right? And the same thing in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, screw the $10 of the movie, screw the three years in the relationship. If you're not happy or if you hate the movie, yeah, you know, so you need to look at present stuff more than the past. For sure. Uh, the next one really intrigued me. Mm. It's called The Framing Effect. And it talks about uh, how our minds work in terms of math percentages. So if you were given an option to buy a meat that was 99% fat free or a meat that was only 1% fat, most people would go for 99% fat free, even though really they're the exact same. Interesting. So if given 98% versus 1%, most people would pick the 98%. Why do you think that's? I don't know. It's the same as I think I heard once with pricing that people tend to grab things that are $4.99 instead of $5. Yeah. The 99 and I don't know, one of the big chains doesn't use 99. I think it's 97 or 98. Right. Right. Yeah. I noticed that at Walmart actually the other day. Um, say it, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway we often um, draw different conclusions from the same things depending solely on how they're presented to us and a lot of companies will use this as a marketing strategy it's all psychology so it's all in how you frame things there's um in a different situation there's a 90 percent chance you will survive this operation that's good odds or there is a 10 percent chance you will die from this op operation uh, even though even though that's the same thing like which one would you rather hear, right? I'm thinking that that's a little more harsh, not something I'd want to hear going into uh, <laughs> right. an operation. Yeah. So next one up is clustering illusion. Uh, I've done this myself. So have you ever seen faces in the clouds or uh, some people see faces in their burnt toast or, you know, Mother Mary what have you? Mm -hmm. The human brain's always trying to seek patterns and rules in, in everything. It's harmless, but it can have real world implications. Yeah. Like when you are trying to make sense of what you perceive to be a pattern. So um, a bad situation would be, what do bad things keep happening to me? Is this just a by chance situation or is this actually the clustering illusion? so it's yeah I never get things right <laughs> right and if that's a, a whole other topic if that's a belief of yours anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's it's easy to cluster things together especially I mean we've all had those days you get up and starts like every other morning but then you know you trip or you keep dropping stuff or whatever and that's annoying but then, oh it's just it's because it's Monday right right and so then that's fine. You let it go. And then the next thing you know, you're on the way to your car and you drop your car keys under the car. And you're like, so you spill the coffee down the front of you and then your car won't start. And yeah, it's like compound frustration, basically. And yeah. 
be very easy to cluster those together. Absolutely. So the next one is exponential growth. So linear growth is intuitive to us. Uh, Exponential growth, however, is incomprehensible. So um, again, words. So an example of that is if you were to fold a piece of paper 50 times, how thick do you think it would be? I can't get my mind around this. Right. And so everybody goes, well, a few inches thick. And that is actually wrong. Uh, it would be as th- so thick that it would nearly reach the sun. You know, I'm going to have to try that and get back to you. Kind of send me a picture of this piece of paper folded 50 times. I know it doesn't, I can't. Has anyone proven this? Oh, hey, I just, I'm, it's the source I got it from. So I don't know if someone wants to try it and maybe we can have a contest on the podcast. I don't know. But um, Albert Einstein, Einstein, Albert Einstein uh, did say that the power of compounding is the most powerful force in the universe and so in the same way if you were to put a dollar aside today two dollars tomorrow four dollars the next day and you continue to double the amount each day once you get to 64 days in your head you're like oh i have a couple hundred dollars 18 quintillion dollars i cannot i cannot fathom i don't i don't what's a quintillion quintillion who knows too much that I can't even understand. Yeah, that's a good il- illustration of how small things can grow exponentially. Yeah, and the world is full of uncertainties and complexities, but there is some math and trust behind some of these things. So um, the point in this is to attempt to be more intuitive in your choices and do not underestimate compound growth. Okay. Um. Barnum effect is hmm. our next title we have here. Our last one too. When we easily attribute our personalities to vague and generalized statements, even if they can apply to a wide range of people. So a good example of this would be horoscopes. You right. know, just because I'm a Sagittarius doesn't mean that I'm like every, you know, identical to every other Sagittarius in the world. And I'm not saying that some of the things in the write-up might not hit home or make sense to you and every other Sagittarius. But, you know, I've, I, I've often thought, I used to read the horoscopes when I would get the paper and I think that sounds like one I read a while ago and then I'd start reading the other ones. Gemini. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that one applies. Yeah, right. They all make sense, right? And um, I think that's the point of the Barnum effect is that- it's like it, the, the, the fortune cookie anybody could get that darn fortune cookie and you know it would make sense we will meet a new friend today oh right good. you know or you know uh think twice before you invest money with family or whatever right case, because it could apply across the board it's very generalized is the point yeah so the message for today is we don't know anything apparently <laughs> And everything is an illusion. Um, But seriously, so much in our subconscious mind um, involving biases and things like that. um, For the most part, we're unaware of these things in our day-to-day lives. It's just, it's hardwired. And sometimes just being aware of the concepts is the first step in becoming more, you know, self-aware of what might be going on behind the scenes. 
So, you know, use this information to benefit your life in the new year, maybe, you know. Yeah, and sorry to disturb your peace, <laughs> but it's all about uh, just overall growth and learning more about ourselves, a lot of things that we don't know. And we, every day we learn new things about our body and our minds and how we work as human beings. So we just thought this topic was super interesting and we're all aware of biases and things like that. But when it's presented in this, this way, I find it's, there's just so much that it's like, oh, damn, like, yeah, I didn't think of it in that way, you know? Yep. So good topic. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. See ya. If you or someone you know has a unique story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at theimperfectpodcast at outlook.com. For more information and how to connect with us on social media, you can visit us at our website, theimperfectpodcast.ca. And from whichever platform you are listening to this episode, be sure to like, share, and leave us a review. We would really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We look forward to hearing your feedback and seeing you all find that extra joy and embrace your own imperfect. See you next week. week.